While the Cincinnati Bearcats are coming off a college football playoff appearance, the Arkansas Razorbacks are coming off their best season in quite some time. Now, how do they view Cincinnati heading into Saturday's game? We check in in Fayetteville on the weekly crossover edition of Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. We're rolling. We're up to 470 subscribers and counting, and this podcast has come quite a long way. Today, it's the weekly crossover edition where we venture into what I call enemy territory. But John Neighbors is not an enemy. He's the host of Lockdown Razorbacks. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Buzz John Neighbors. I say Buzz because he's the host of Out of Bounds on 1037 The Buzz in Fayetteville. He is a, as he says on Twitter, a University of Arkansas retiree. Is that right, John? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just don't want to give off any impressions that I actually graduated. I just spent seven and a half years there and had a good time doing it. And I feel like it'd be. Uh, a little inappropriate to say actually graduate. So I feel like retiree is just a better way of putting it. Seven and a half. You spent seven and a half years. Oh yeah. I love Arkansas and I love the U of A and it was, uh, I, I like some people try to say, Oh, you're like the Van Wilder of, uh, the U of A. I was like, no, I'm probably more like Chris Farley and Tommy boy because, uh, I wasn't as cool as Van Wilder, but yeah, I love college man. And I had, I had my own little journey there, but yeah, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. 15 semesters in college was a good time. See, this is what makes this so great is John, you're an alum of Arkansas. I'm an alum of Cincinnati. Both teams are in the top 25. Both teams are clashing this week in Fayetteville, Saturday at 3.30 on ESPN, 2.30 Central Time uh, in Fayetteville. So it's going to be fun, John. How excited are you for a top 25 matchup to kick off the season with both teams coming off really impressive 2021 seasons? I think it's about as exciting as you can get. I mean, you think about uh, some of the great matchups that you get in week one of college football, and I don't know how it has been with Cincinnati, but Arkansas hasn't had an opener that anybody really cared about in quite some time, maybe since uh, I know with the COVID year, they played Georgia the first game of the year at home, but that was a little bit different circumstances. But even going back to maybe 2014, they opened the season against Auburn on the road. Uh, it didn't really go Arkansas's way there. So, you know, it just, it's kind of a weird vibe, but an interesting vibe. And I think it's exciting. And, you know, what's funny when I was talking about those games and I think back to USC, Arkansas opened up the season against USC in 06 uh, at home. Arkansas didn't win any of those games. They didn't beat Georgia. They didn't beat Auburn. Uh, they didn't beat USC. So openers against high-quality teams, top 25 teams, however you want to put it, haven't been too kind to Arkansas. But also in those years, Arkansas uh, was a different team than what they are this year, kind of like with Cincinnati. I mean, and that's what makes it so intriguing. It's like Cincinnati's coming off a playoff appearance. I mean, for crying out loud, like nobody would have guessed when they scheduled this game that Cincinnati would have gone to the playoffs before. But Arkansas had a really good year, as you mentioned, and they returned a lot of pieces there, too. So a lot of intrigue between these two teams, and I think Razorback fans are pretty confident, or at least as confident as you can be heading into game one against a good team. And to, the, to your point, Cincinnati, like, I'm trying to remember the last 
true big season opener. I think you have to go back to 2009, John, when Cincinnati played at Rutgers, and that was in the old Big East days. Um, Cincinnati, I think they were underdogs in that game. Mo Egger, I think, would know that better than I would. Um, But Cincinnati won that game. They went on to have an undefeated season that year and go to the Sugar Bowl. But this is really, I think, the, the biggest season opener since then for me. Um, actually, did they? You know what? They might have played Oklahoma in 2010. I'll confirm that uh, later on the show. But you mentioned Cincinnati's a high-quality opponent. Now, I get comments every single day in my YouTube videos for this podcast. Arkansas fans saying, oh, we're going to run all over you. Oh, blah, 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 this, this, and that. They're overlooking Cincinnati. Some have been very honest about it. Some have been like, nah, we got this. John, from your perspective, how is Arkansas viewing Cincinnati heading into Saturday's game? Well, first off, as far as the fan side of it goes, that's just SEC fans, man. They're gonna they like Arkansas could go up against Alabama being two and ten, and they're gonna be like, Oh, we're gonna roll you. Like that's just the way they do it, and that's how everybody does it. So uh, but you know, the viewpoint though is that I mean, the best thing that could have happened for Arkansas, for Arkansas fans and everybody, is the seeing that number next to Cincinnati, being a top 25 team. Because normally Arkansas has had non-conference games against, you know, like three games will be against, you know, directional schools, Sunbelt teams, whatnot, that they feel good about. And then they have maybe one good non-conference game. Like last year, they played Rice, they played Georgia Southern, they played UAPB, but they also played Texas. So this is a little bit of a different year because not only are they playing Cincinnati to open the season, but they have BYU on the road later in the year. And they have uh, Liberty with Hugh Freeze being there. And then you have the return of Bobby Petrino at Missouri State coming to Fayetteville. So their non-conference is actually really tough. And I just think that that number next to Cincinnati and the fact that their number uh, top 25 team has made Arkansas fans be like, okay, this, this is going to be a good team. This is going to be an SEC quality team where it's not like they're facing somebody they should roll over. They're facing a team that's actually well coached on a program that's been built up really well. And so they got to take them extremely seriously. So I think Razorback fans are confident that they'll win because you're at home. It's the game opener, Cincinnati. You know, they got their, they lost their quarterback. They lost a lot of great players and drafted nine players in the NFL, which is incredible. Uh, so I think Razorback fans are just feeling like with what they have returning and being game one in Fayetteville at home, they, they just like their chances in this game to win, maybe not roll over them, maybe not blow them out, but to at least win this game. Who is, um, John, the one player you think that Arkansas, the coaching staff, is saying to the players, this guy is who they're really emphasizing on their scouting report? Who's that one player on Cincinnati, John? You know, that's uh, I think that way that Sam Pittman has approached it is, I mean, because the quarterback situation is always going to be the most important. And honestly, Arkansas has kind of been preparing for both quarterbacks between Ben Bryan and Evan Prater. So I think that that's the one that they've been looking at, just, you know, trying to see what they can do offensively, uh, you know, and seeing all that. But from what it sounded like is, is not necessarily a specific player. Again, going off of what Sam Pittman and some of the guys have talked about, but they have discussed like the offensive line for Cincinnati, for instance, you know, returns. It, it was a great offensive line and returns a lot of productivity from last year. And the number one thing that you have to be successful in when winning in college football is you have to have great trench play. Well, here's the matchup about it is that as great of an offensive line that Cincinnati has, Arkansas's defensive line is pretty suspect. In fact, at this point in time, I would say it's the weakness of this team. 
just because they, they don't return anybody from last year's defensive line. They didn't really add a whole lot into the transfer portal or anybody that really has established themselves. Uh, there's not really a lot of names of people really knowing how it's going to go. So I think that that's probably been the main thing for Arkansas is just trying to make sure that they do a good job up front defensively, get after the quarterback, all of those things, because that's something they struggled with last year. And if you, as good as the back seven may be for Arkansas, if you can't get after the quarterback, if you can't put pressure on Cincinnati, then Cincinnati is going to have all the success in the world just dinking and dunking down the field and scoring. So I think that's the, been the big emphasis is just getting after the offensive line of Cincinnati and, and trying to get some pressure on the quarterback so that way they can be effective defensively in this one. I find that really interesting, John, that you don't think Arkansas's defensive line or you're saying that it's suspect because I watched Arkansas last year and I'm seeing – my biggest takeaway was their secondary was suspect. Now that's obviously been revamped and retooled more on that later on in today's show, but talk to me and I'll, I'll shift this to you. Um, one of the, this guy's got a great name, by the way, bumper pool linebacker. Um, he's on the, I know he's on the Chuck Bednarik watch list. Is he on any other wa- award watch lists, John? Um, I think, I think he's on that, and I think he's on um, – yeah, I have to pull it up in front of me. I know he's been mentioned on a few watch lists just because okay. a lot of players do. If you're on one, you're on a lot of yeah. them. Uh, but I know that uh, people voted him preseason All-SEC uh, in, the, in the media. Uh, a lot of people think in really highly of him in that way. Uh, he's actually a fifth-year senior, so it, he's uh, – this year he's – I think he's like 26 tackles short of being the all-time tackling leader in Arkansas history. So I think that that's – one of the reasons he's come back, but he's one of the reasons why Arkansas's back seven is going to be really good. Cause you have him who's been around and played sec football for five years. I mean, he's been great. He's been solid and, and uh, he's been everything you could have asked. And the guy next to him now is drew Sanders, which people don't realize he started at Alabama last year at drew Sanders did and was played in 12 games for him. And at, coming out of high school in the 2020 class was a five-star player, the number one player out of the state of Texas. He's on Arkansas's team now. So I think between him and Bumper Pool, that's that's going to be the fascinating thing for Razorback fans to watch defensively is just, you know, how do they work together in that type of unit? How, how improved is it going to be from last season? I mean, it really stands out to me. The linebackers on both teams, really strong across the board, John. You got Bumper Pool with Arkansas. You've got the Pace brothers with Cincinnati. You've got Yaheem Thomas, maybe a little bit of Wilson Huber and Ty Van Fossen. So this is going to be a really – if you're evaluating linebackers in this game, you're in, for an, you're in for a really fun afternoon because there is a lot of talent. But after this live read, um, I'm going to ask you about K.J. Jefferson because the voice of the Bearcats, Dan Horde, compared him to a, Hall of, to a young Hall of Fame or future Hall of Fame quarterback. And Cincinnati fans know this quarterback all too well. We'll get into it after a word from betonline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Maybe you want to bet on this game between Cincinnati and Arkansas. You can find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news and podcasts like this one in Lockdown Arkansas, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information including live betting and esports on scores the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mlb which is gearing up for the pennant chase mma boxing and golf and to the website today 
or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. John Neighbors, Lockdown Razorbacks, joining me today. John, quick question of curiosity. Which MLB team do those in Arkansas root for? Well, it's not me, uh, but I will say the majority of them are probably St. Louis Cardinal fans uh, just because of their like the radio stations here in Arkansas played uh, their broadcast long ago and still to this day. So uh, there's like quite a hodgepodge of fans across, you know, because, again, there's no pro team here. So you got to kind of pick your poison. But I would say the majority of them are probably Cardinal fans. Does KMOX, um, the longtime flagship station of the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis, does that station reach Fayetteville? I don't think it does. I don't. I don't think it's that far. Um, but even if it did, I wouldn't know. Like I, I again, I hate the Cardinals actually, so I can't. I can't speak yet. I hate Cardinal fans. I hate the Cardinal way nonsense that they always do things. And I'm not even a big baseball fan, but I don't know. Just being here in this state, the fans are really obnoxious, and I just, I really don't like them. So that's that's my take on it. Interesting take. But let's get back to the main. <laughs> discussion uh of the day and of this week cincinnati arkansas so excuse me um before i get into kj jefferson excuse me um what are your thoughts on what the bearcats accomplished excuse me last year being a group of five team getting to the college football playoff and what do you what do you uh what are your thoughts on them coming into this season having lost nine nfl draft picks no the thing about last season is i like I'm going to kind of maybe use this as a, as a little bit of a rant, but I hate the way that the college football playoff model is set up right now. And I, I have always felt like in college football, no matter what, if you win all of your games in the regular season, if you go undefeated, you should have a chance to play for a national championship like that. There, it's the like name me another sport, another league at another level that has ever had a team go undefeated that they have zero shot of winning a championship it doesn't happen in basketball because even if you're you know uh saint peter's if you go undefeated that means you're going to get into the tournament because you won your conference same thing in baseball same thing in the nfl like every sport high school everything has that so i have been a huge advocate where i'm not saying that teams that go like if missouri state went undefeated that they should be in over ohio state who has one loss like i'm not saying that but there needs to be a setup to where those teams that were are not in the power five, which it's not even going to exist here in the next few years, let's be honest, but always should deserve a chance to get in or at least against a chance to play for a championship. And that's why I was really happy that Cincinnati got in last year because I felt like uh, that, that was a breakthrough. I know they're joining the Big Ten or the Big 12 here soon, but it was just nice to see that, okay, finally we can see a team that is not of the power five that didn't, you know, have uh, a Heisman trophy guy or whatever, just a guy, the team that got in that I felt like was deserving to have a shot at it. And they got in and they took their best shot and they were deserving of it. So I was really happy to see, I was really rooting for Cincinnati. And I thought that what they did last year was extremely impressive. And I mentioned the thing about them having nine draft picks. Like there's some incredible sec teams that don't even have nine draft picks in the NFL. Like Alabama has had years where they haven't, they've had maybe nine. Georgia, like LSU, teams that people are looked at as high caliber don't even had nine. I think Arkansas, the most they've ever had, <laughs> at least in the modern era of like draft picks, has been maybe four. So, I mean, that to me was so impressive. And that's why I have a lot of respect for Luke Fickle, not only in the fact that uh, he has built a program there in Cincinnati that's is really high level, but 
he's doing it by having quality players and and putting Cincinnati on the map and I and joining the Big 12 is going to be huge and anything I can anything that can happen to be able to keep Ohio State from having the monopoly in that state of Ohio of being the number one college football team I'm all for because I hate Ohio State with a burning passion so I'm always going to be rooting for Cincinnati to continue to to grow except for in this game of course but I, I was really impressed and I think that that's why this year with Sam Pittman and this Arkansas team, they view Cincinnati as an SEC caliber team because of what they've accomplished and the type of program that they are. And there's a lot of respect there. I, I know and Razorback fans, there's a lot of respect there as well. See, John, this is why I like you because you understand how we in Cincinnati think we do not like Ohio state. Now I'm going to be honest. My cousin goes there. So I do kind of have a little soft spot for them. Now his dad went to Michigan. So you can uh, imagine, you can imagine what, what goes on in that household. <laughs> so I kind of have a soft spot for both programs. If, but then again, I'm a Cincinnati Bearcat, so I guess I can technically do whatever I want there. Yeah. Well, well let me ask you this. Like, and I'm honestly asking because this has been one of my questions I've always asked on my radio show. I I believe that Ohio State is the most universally hated university in all of college football. And here's why. Because I don't think there is a single person team whatever outside of ohio state fans that actually like them like everyone in the sec hates them hates them and it's not like they have a lot of experience with them because they either play them in the championship game or like arkansas playing them in the sugar bowl back in 2011 it's not a whole lot of experience but there's just something about them where i just feel like they're i mean it's the urban meyer situation too maybe it's the you know players getting tattoos for memorabilia like i don't know there's just so much about them that everyone hates and I've always made the argument that they're the most universally hated program in all of college football. Somebody told me at Notre Dame, and I'm like, no, because I think there's a lot of Catholic people out there that actually, you know, may root for one team, but like Notre Dame because, you know, the Catholic angle. But with Ohio State, I just feel like they have kind of the most universally hated team. If you – two things to that, John. That's a great point, by the way. If you if you watch the ESPN 150 college football documentaries back in 2019, which were really, really well done, I thought, by the ESPN crew, Notre Dame, if you remember Notre Dame, like a lot of fans of them started migrating to different parts of the country. Or I, Actually, I think it was Notre Dame started playing games in New York City, in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in Dallas. So you have all these Notre Dame fans everywhere across the nation. Like, I, I'm going to disclose something to you and everybody listening to this. I grew up a Notre Dame fan because my dad was a Notre Dame fan when he, he became when he was in medical school in Chicago. So I bought into that. I understood how big the fan base is. Ohio State, you're absolutely right. If you don't love Ohio State or if you didn't go there or if you are not from Ohio and you love them, you hate them. And yeah. it's interesting Andy Staples recently wrote an article in The Athletic of the 20 most influential games of the 2000s. And I'm thinking about this now, John, to your point you just made. And sorry I'm making this about Ohio State, but this is a great point. This is a great conversation. So one of the games was the 2006 BCS National Championship game between Ohio State and Florida. And that Ohio State team was unbelievably talented. Troy Smith was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Ted Ginn was on his way to being a first-round draft pick. He was an all – he was a – Phenomenal kick returner. They had a lot of other talent, too. Who was their running back in that game? Oh, shoot. Was it Chris Wells? Might have been. I think it was Beanie Wells. Okay. What a stupid name that is. Anyway, <laughs> so Florida kicks their 
patooties in that game. 41 to 14, I said patooties because that's an appropriate word for this podcast. Um, And I think ever since that game, Ohio State thought they were going to roll in there and smack Florida. Well, Florida smacked them. And I think ever since that, because the SEC won the next six national championships, John. And I think ever since then, Ohio State fans have just been, were just so angry after that game. And maybe that's what contributed to it. And then Urban Meyer comes from the SEC to Ohio State, and they won a national championship. But I think, too, John, it's, and Andy brought this up, it's not just our team is better than your team. Our conference is better than your conference. Is that valid? Yeah, it is, 100%. Which, by the way, real quick, that point about you made Troy Smith, he stole the Heisman from Darren McFadden here at Arkansas. We're, we, we are here, because just real quick, because you brought it up, that year, Darren McFadden was the most deserving player, 100%. But he was a sophomore, and the Heisman had never been given to a sophomore before. So they weren't going to do it until the next year when Tim Tebow won it as a sophomore. But that that's a very sore spot for Arkansas fans. You just brought up with Troy Smith winning the Heisman over Darren McFadden. But anyways, you're exactly right. I try to explain this to everybody who, like I have friends of mine that are Michigan fans here, and they think they hate it when we you know do the chant of the sec sec after games and everything they're like why are you rooting for other teams in your conference like what does that mean and i've i compare it to this it's the sec is about as close to a fraternity as you can get where it is a team that uh, of a bunch of compiled of a bunch of teams that when they're, they're fighting it out in the regular season they hate each other they talk crap to one another they, you know, get angry, they get upset, it's fierce, it's intense. But if outside of our bubble here in the SEC, you know, we we don't like you because you're not you're not involved. It's kind of like going back to the old animal house quote, you know, is oh, he can't do that to our pledges, only we can do that to our pledges. It's the same thing. You know, you can't beat you can't beat Alabama, only we can beat Alabama. Like it, it's just a thing that nobody understands where we have a lot of pride. In the SEC. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, Arkansas fans are going to root for Ole Miss to win a championship. Like, it's not that. It's just we hate the Big Ten. We hate the Big 12. We hate the ACC because you don't do it like we do it down here in the SEC. We're the best. And you're, you know, you're small time. It's probably an arrogant way of looking at it, but it's just how we feel. We have a lot of pride here in the SEC and a pride in our school. So, it's it's a thing that where it's hard to understand. I get it's hard to understand, but uh, we have always been that way in the SEC, and I don't think it'll ever change. You bring up something that I've in living in Georgia the past six plus months, John. See, as a Midwestern boy, like college football is big. Like you live in Ohio, Ohio State football is uh, a national brand, but in Cincinnati in particular which for the longest time was considered a baseball town, which I never really bought into because you have high school football and you have now the Bearcats. And I mean, my Lord, look at what Joe Burrow just Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase did with the Bengals. So to me, like I grew up an NFL fan because college football wasn't really that big. What I mean, it was big. Don't get me wrong with Ohio state, but like, not like it is down here in the South. And I'm seeing just, how much SEC football means to this region of the country living in Georgia, you living in Arkansas. But for me now with Cincinnati, having just been in the college football playoff, back to your point that it's no longer just Ohio State running the state of Ohio, which is a football hotbed when it comes to recruiting, etc. I mean, heck, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is in Ohio. 
So, like, I'm like, I feel like now Ohio is a state with two really good college football teams. And I'm seeing just how much college football means in the SEC. And now it's starting to mean a little bit more up in, not like the SEC, but a little bit more up in Cincinnati and Ohio. So it's just really interesting points that you bring up in this conversation, John. Now I'm going to ask you this, and I know I've been holding our listeners here, kind of teasing it a little bit. So the voice of the Bearcats, Dan Horde, who's phenomenal compared Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson on the Luke Fickle radio show Tuesday to a young Ben Roethlisberger. Is that accurate? Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not just because I've never thought of that um, as far as him being, being a big Ben because, no, I, I would say no just because K.J.'s speed is is a lot higher than people realize. Like, he, he's a fast – like, not saying Big Ben in his prime, at least, or in college uh, didn't have at least a little bit of speed. But K.J. Jefferson can outrun a lot of people, and he has shown that last season. The comparison I like more and, – and, and when we say these comparisons, it's you know it's not saying that, you know, K.J. Jefferson is just as good as Ben Roethlisberger. Like, obviously, we're not saying that they're just as good as those guys. The comparison I think is the more accurate one is Cam Newton because the size of him is about the same because I think KJ Jefferson's about 6'3, 6'4, somewhere in there. He weighs about 245 pounds, 250 pounds, similar to Cam Newton. He's got a cannon for an arm. And both KJ and Cam, they're not gonna, you know, not gonna be a burner and just go for 80 yards every play, but they have enough speed to where they can outrun a lot of it people and they can run them over too. So uh, I've always liked the comparison to Cam Newton a lot more than any other comparison, just because of the size, the way they play, the the strength and the, uh, the durability that they have as well. See, this is why you and I get along so well, because that that's exactly who my, com- what my comparison was earlier this week, John, I literally am watching highlights from last year's Arkansas team. And I say to myself, this is like watching Cam Newton in 2010 when he won the Heisman. Like, that is literally what I thought about. Because here's this guy, when he gets going and he barrels over one defender, good luck stopping him. Because what I noticed is when he runs, he's not going to slide. He's looking to get every yard he can get. And that can be a problem for Cincinnati's defense. But it's not just him, John. You've got four, what, four of your five leading rushers from last year returning, including Rocket Sanders, including Dominique Johnson, including A.J. Green, and K.J. Jefferson, of course, who led the team in rushing last year. Like, Arkansas was the SEC leader in rushing last year. What makes them so good at running the football, John? Uh, it's probably cliche, but it's simple. The offensive line. Uh, I know, and that's not taking anything away from KJ and the running backs because they're phenomenal. But Sam Pittman is the best offensive line coach in the country. He has been for a long time. Uh, he was at Georgia when they went to the national championship as the offensive line coach. He got offered to be at Alabama. Like he, he is the quintessential offensive line coach. So as long as he's the coach, you're going to have a great offensive line at Arkansas. And last season, and this is what's crazy about it, is they led the team, they led the Power 5 in rushing, as you mentioned it. Uh, Pro Football Focus ranked them going into this year as the number five offensive line in the country, number one in the SEC. And they returned four of their five starters on the offensive line this year. But what's crazy is they don't even have a top pick on their offensive line. They have maybe one NFL draft pick right now. So you're not even talking about just guys that are five stars. They've developed that, and I think that because you have such a great offensive line, that's where it all starts offensively. And you have KJ, you have great running backs. 
it makes their job so much easier whenever they have those guys in front of them. Like, I mean, you could probably name examples that uh, of great offensive lines that had running backs that were, you know, average, maybe a little above average that would rush for a thousand yards just because the opportunities were there. So it starts there. It starts up front. And that's one thing that you got that the Razorback fans are always going to feel good about Sam Pittman is the offensive line, the uh, upfront blocking, not going to have to give up a lot of sacks. It's all going to start there. And that's what really gets Arkansas going into that second and third level on the field is when those holes open up by that offensive line, they're able to take care of business. Arkansas does return, as you mentioned, for their five uh, offensive linemen from last year. After a word from two of our sponsors, John, I'm going to ask you, what stands out to you about the Cincinnati Bearcats? And a question that I already know the answer to, but I'm going to ask you anyway for our listeners because they do not know the answer. We'll do that after a word from two of our sponsors. John Neighbors, Lockdown Razorbacks, joining me today on the Bearcats Arkansas crossover edition this week here on Lockdown Bearcats. You can follow John at Buzz John Neighbors. He's also the host of Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz in Fayetteville and a University of Arkansas alum slash retiree after, what, 15 semesters in college. I cannot imagine that, but more power to you. So Cincinnati, as we alluded to earlier, um, you like what they did last year. You like, um, but what about this year? Because it's obviously a new look team. I don't know what to expect. I think I know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Luke Fickle hasn't disclosed that yet, rightfully so. What stands out to you about the Cincinnati team, John, heading into this season? Well, it's I've always felt like where no matter the team you face, when team when when you lose players, you know, and, and draft picks and all of that. Like, yeah, that that's something that's significant. Some teams reload, some teams rebuild, whatnot. But the one thing that I look at Cincinnati is just like very few programs is they have built a quality program to where no matter what, no matter who they lose, no matter you know who they gain, whatever it is, they are going to be a team that's going to give you all they want, all you want, and they're going to be fundamentally sound. Uh, they're going they have a great coach in Luke Fickle. Like they have all the pieces and the tools to be a team that constantly is going to be competitive. Are they going to go thirteen and zero every year? Probably not. But they have put themselves in a position to where each and every year they are going to be a high quality opponent. It wasn't like last year was a flash in the pan and then now they're going to revert to, you know, going six and six. Like I, I just don't see that happening. And so that's the one thing that has impressed me or does impress me about Cincinnati is, uh, you know, you're, there's not, there's no cakewalk. It's not like, you know, you have superior players across the board because I think there's a lot of quality players on Cincinnati that could play in the SEC or play with anybody and be just as good to play for Alabama. Like there's, they have that much, uh, much uh, respect and and that type of program. So that's the one thing I'm going to be looking probably forward to the most is just knowing that you're going up against a team that has all the pieces to beat you. Like they, they have quality players. They have a quality coach. It's just a matter of, I think Arkansas's biggest thing is, can they make sure that they don't beat themselves? Can they make sure that they don't turn the ball over? Can they make sure that they don't have a bunch of stupid penalties? Can they run the ball effectively? Because honestly, uh, that it's nothing against Cincinnati per se. It's just how confident I am in Arkansas, where if they're able to run the ball effectively uh, against Cincinnati, limit mistakes, and then defensively get after the quarterback, like those things, I think Arkansas wins this one. But you got to go out there and execute it. And again, it's nothing that's saying that, it's just going to be a cakewalk against Cincinnati. It's just 
I think that that's where the expectation is for Razorback fans, where they're, they want to win this one. They think they're going to win this one, but it's going to be close. It's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be multi-touchdown leads. It's going to be a dogfight, and I think that's what they expect from Cincinnati. There's two things that stood out to me last year with the Bearcats. One was when UCF head coach, former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn, said that that, that that was a team last year in Cincinnati that could win a national championship. Like, forget about going to the college football playoff. He said that was a team that could win the national championship. And I remember Bucky Brooks, who said on his podcast, Move the Sticks, that he does with Daniel Jeremiah. He said something after the selection show that Cincinnati, this was not your average group of five offensive and defensive line. Like he said, they had some dudes. And I, I believe that with Curtis Brooks, Jawan Briggs, Malik Van, Jabari Taylor. And then you go on offense, you've got, um, I mean, you have Lorenz Metz, um, Jeremy Cooper, Jake Renfro, Dylan O'Quinn. Like this is not your average uh, trenches in the G5 level. And it's why they're going to the power five next year. So from your Arkansas vantage point, John, Give me three things that Cincinnati has to do to beat the Razorbacks on Saturday. Well, first off, uh, they they got to not let the atmosphere get to them. Uh, and I know that it, it, home field advantage is always something that's important, and it's going to be a raucous atmosphere in Fayetteville on Saturday. But uh, by doing that, not getting off to a rough start. Because I think, and I even said this on my podcast yesterday, that if – Cincinnati says, say, goes three and out on their first two possessions. And then Arkansas, in their first two possessions, score a touchdown and a field goal or get up by two possessions or however you want to look at it. I think it's going to be really tough for Cincinnati going forward. In fact, Sam Pittman even said yesterday, I had kind of a great quote of like saying, talking about Cincinnati. He's like, you got to figure out what type of party they're bringing. Are they bringing iced tea or are they bringing hard liquor? You know, and, and you got to figure out exactly, you know, the type of game it's going to be. And that's why I feel like those first two possessions are going to be really telling. If Cincinnati, if Cincinnati comes out firing and they move down the field, they they're effective, they they get a score. I, I think that that's going to be a tough bout for Arkansas the rest of the way. But if if you if Arkansas sets the tone early and hits Cincinnati in the mouth, I think it's just going to be really tough for them to recover because Arkansas doesn't lose leads. They just haven't under Sam Pittman. They they're really good at maintaining them. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, can they? Uh, we mentioned the offensive line. Can they be able to establish the run themselves? Because Arkansas's defensive lines, we know a suspect, if they can't effectively stop the run, get after the passer or whatnot, and Cincinnati can just move down the field with ease, that, that's not a good – like Arkansas does not want to get in a shootout with Cincinnati. Like that, that, that doesn't bode well for them. They're, they're just not that team that's really built for it. I know they had it against Ole Miss last year, but they don't want to do that. So if Cincinnati can establish the run and be effective in it, I think that's a key. And – uh, the final thing is is if containing KJ Jefferson, he, he's the number one guy on this offense. He he is the best player on this team, and if they can get pressure on him, if they can cause him to throw, make some bad throws, maybe get a pick or two because the guy only threw four interceptions last year. One of them was a hail mary at the end of the game against uh, Ole Miss at halftime, or at, at the end of the halftime, and then two of those interceptions were just incredible, insane plays by defensive backs. So he doesn't throw the ball with uh, a lot of mistakes. So if they can cause him to do that, that's going to rattle this offense and be cause some problems for Arkansas as well. 
I, I totally agree that Cincinnati has to get the run game going. I think they have to get some guys in space too. But you mentioned the environment. Luke Fickle talked about that extensively this week in his press conference on his radio show. I mean, that tough environment it looks like from the games I watched last year that you're walking into at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Now, Arkansas has a retooled, revamped secondary. What can you say about that, John? Yeah, they lost a couple of guys last year. And uh, it, it's kind of a sore subject because two of the players they had that were going to return this year transferred to LSU. Just, and Arkansas had uh, the golden boot is the rivalry that they have with LSU. And what's it was Joe Fouché and Greg Brooks who were on the Arkansas team last year. Well, when Arkansas beat LSU last year, those two players are on video like running and being the first one to grab the boot and sliding towards and being so excited because they beat LSU and then they transfer to them the next year. So a lot of sore subjects there. So anyways, but they lost those guys. They went on. Uh, they also lost Buster Brown, their best cornerback last year. He, he got drafted in the NFL. But honestly, I think the secondary is going to be a strength for Arkansas because you return Jalen Catalan, who was hurt the majority of last year. He's a preseason All-American, best defensive player on the team right now. Incredible safety. You have him coming back. Uh, you have also Ladarius Bishop coming back and Hudson Clark, which a lot of people in Arkansas, they just they're dumb about Hudson Clark. They don't realize he's actually a good cornerback. They think he gets burned all the time, which he doesn't. But he's a good cornerback. So they returned some experienced guys and they added in Dwight McLaughlin, who started at LSU all 12 games. It's fine. They got another LSU player, but he started all 12 games last year for LSU. He, he's going to be a, a pivotal part. And then the, in the secondary, there's two Miles Slusher is the nickelback. He's the guy that played last year a lot, too, at safety, moved to nickelback, but they really like his position. Uh, Latavius Breeny, a player who started for Georgia the majority of the season last year in the secondary, uh, he's going to be in the mix as well. So even though they lost a few players, they added some guys that will be just as good, if not better, than what they saw last year. This is a question that I already know the answer to, having listened to Locked On Razorbacks all this week. But for the fans who are listening but that have not heard it, what is your score prediction for this game on Saturday, John? You know, I keep going back and forth. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't even know if this is going to be my official one because I may make, make it different by Friday on my podcast. But um, I do believe Arkansas wins. And I do believe, like, and I've said this on the podcast, that if the game was later in the season, I wouldn't like Arkansas's chances as much. But since it's the first game of the year in Fayetteville, I feel like, that is a huge advantage for Arkansas, and that's a benefit. And I still think Cincinnati will have a great season. But I think Arkansas wins game one, and I think I have them winning 38-21. to 21. So, and, that's, and I think Arkansas just scores a late touchdown to kind of put the game away. But I think it's a dogfight. I think it ends up being a very physical game, especially in the beginning. Uh, but I think uh, K.J. Jefferson kind of takes over the game in the second half, which he's been known to do. And I think uh, Arkansas pulls away late, and they end up getting the victory over Cincinnati. Speaking of sore subjects, I'm going to end the show with this question. So, and this is bringing back bad memories for me of being in Bridgestone Arena in March of 2018. And this is going to bring back a lot of bad memories for Bearcats fans listening to this. But he's taking you guys to back-to-back -to -back Elite Eights in basketball. How loved and revered is Eric Musselman as your men's basketball head coach? Uh, he could run for governor and probably win of the state. Uh, I mean, he is he, like Arkansas. Like, here's the thing. And Cincinnati fans can, can relate to this a little bit, too. Like Arkansas basketball is a really good basketball program. A lot of history. I know uh, Eddie Sutton, and, and, you know, was there and took him to a final four. Uh, you know, you think about uh, 
actually a few final fours, but you think about Nolan Richardson winning a national championship and in the nineties and the 40 minutes of hell. And then Arkansas went through this long stalemate of not having terrible seasons, but just not doing anything in the postseason. In fact, most people don't realize Arkansas didn't make a sweet 16 since 1996 until the 2021 season, a sweet 16. And every other team in the SEC made a sweet 16 since that point. So Eric Musselman's come in. Year one got cut short because of COVID, as we all know. Year two goes to the Elite Eight. The year three has to replace essentially the majority of the team and goes to the Elite Eight again. And then this year, he has three McDonald's All-Americans on his team. They had the number two recruiting class in the country. They added a lot of transfers in. And Arkansas, in a lot of people's polls, are preseason top 10. Some people think that they can make the Final Four. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Eric Musselman is that dude here. And Arkansas fans are like, pay this man whatever he wants. Keep him as long as you can. Because uh, everyone's really stoked for football. But basketball is going to be a next level this year as far as excitement and expectation. So everybody loves Eric Musselman and hopes that he never leaves. This is why... I really hope Wes Miller gets the Bearcats program back to where it belongs because when we come to the S- to the Big 12 and we have the Big 12 SEC Challenge, John, just mm-hmm. maybe they'll pit Cincinnati and Arkansas together. Now, we could see another matchup between the two teams again this year out in Maui, which I really hope it does. And I, I know Eric Musselman, that brings up a lot of bad memories of him dancing with his shirt off in the locker room after Nevada beat Cincinnati. But at the same time, I've always said this, he's a damn good head coach. And I look at what he's done with Arkansas the last two years and the expectations this year. Yeah, it's they're there for a reason. John Neighbors, Locked On Razorbacks, joining us today for the Bearcats-Arkansas crossover. You can follow John on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors. He's also the host of Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz. You can follow that on Twitter at 103.7 The Buzz. John, best uh, best of luck to you. Best of luck to the Arkansas Razorbacks on Saturday. I take it you're going to be at the game. and. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing these two top 25 teams battle it out on Saturday on ESPN. Should be a great game in Fable, man. I'm looking forward to it. That's John Neighbors of Locked On Razorbacks. John, thank you for joining us, and uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths once again uh, here throughout football season and men's basketball season. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. John Neighbors, kind enough to join us today here on Locked On Bearcast. That's going to do it for me today. Game preview tomorrow, thoughts, keys to the game, where I think this match will be decided, and score prediction all coming your way tomorrow. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFranknown underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our Locked On Bearcats YouTube channel, up to 470 subscribers and counting. Follow us, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Thanks for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great first day of September. You can just wake me up when September ends. Eh, Maybe I'll wake you up when September ends too. Anyway, but don't be sleeping. Make sure you keep making us your first listen every day. I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow.